incredible week uh, here at our church with the Vacation Bible School. Our church was transformed into a huge week-long pep rally. Uh, We hosted over 170 children, and we taught them the Word of God. We showed them the love of Christ. Listen, it was beautiful not only to see my children being taught the Word of God and shown the love of Christ, but the children of this church and of this community worshiping the King of Kings. And you know what they were singing? Here's what they were singing. V-I-C-T-O-R-Y, victory. This is our battle cry. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. Come on, let's give a round of applause for that. What an incredible truth that is. And listen, like the words of of this song, specifically Victory, there's just incredible truth in in the lyrics of these songs. But the melodies of these songs, I'm convinced that our military uses them as torturing devices uh, with terrorists. Um, Here's why, because I can't get the melodies out of my head. So... On Tuesday night, I woke up in, uh, around 3 in the morning, and literally, I promise you, <laughs> I woke up and all I could think was V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. <laughs> My wife was freaked out, but, but they're great, great lyrics. Uh, <laughs> we have incredible volunteers. I know Lisa already thanked them, but I just want to say honestly and earnestly from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys so much. Um, if you're a volunteer here uh, this past week, could you just stand for just a moment? Can you stand? Can we just love on them and encourage them? <laughs> stay standing. Stay standing. Thank you so much. Stay standing. Stay standing. I just want to say, volunteers, that your investment is an eternal investment. And this is an example for our church day standing because your investment is an eternal investment. Anytime we do something in this church, we don't serve man, but we serve unto the Lord. We serve so that the Lord gets the glory. And in the process, our children are knowing and learning the love of Christ and his word. So again, I just want to say thank you for teaching my kids that and uh, for teaching the kids of this community and of this church. So again, it's a round of applause for our volunteers. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I observed something during this past week that not only are we teaching our children about God, uh, but our children are teaching us about God. We have much to learn from the grateful heart of a child when they worship the King Jesus. It was a true joy. You know, I also learned that my wife still has her cheerleading moves down, packed. She was, uh, she was the cheer director, and I can tell you right now, uh, Jessica, you got your groove back, okay? You did so awesome. That's, that's my woman. So if you're new to this amazing church family, uh, I just want to let you know, because maybe we have a lot of families from the community this morning that came and brought your kids. I want to say thank you for that. Uh, but we're a generous, Christ-loving, community-driven church. I want you to know that if you're new Uh, We're family, and if we call each other family, then you have to know that we're also dysfunctional, okay? And I love this dysfunctional church family. So if you came in here expecting perfection, I'm going to tell you just straight out, this is not the place for you. Instead, this is a place where we can make mistakes because we are imperfect beings under the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe in extending that same grace to others. You have to know that. We're a Bible-believing church. We're a Trinity-believing church, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian that's been to church for 50 years, or maybe this is your first time or first time in a long time, I'm I'm here to let you know we're going to learn the Bible together this morning. And then if you come to this church longer than a week or two, we're going to grow together in our faith. 
and we're going to make mistakes together. We're going to show grace to each other. But I pray that at the end of these things that we would have a greater gratitude and love for God. That's what we would learn ultimately. But we believe here at this church that we are better together. We've been saying that in every ministry and in everything that we do. So if you believe that we are better together, can we just say amen? Amen. And I want you to look to your neighbor and say, we're better together. Now look to your other neighbor and say, we're better together. I believe that wholeheartedly, that we are better together. Some of you guys are like, I don't know about this guy, but I think we're better together. Um, And husbands and wives, you better look at each other and say that again later on, okay? The psalm that we're going to read out of today is a psalm entitled, The Psalm for Giving Thanks. You'll probably see that in your Bible. It's a very short psalm, only five verses, but I believe it's filled with rich education for exaltation or praise. This psalm doesn't have an author, but it's thought to be written by King David, and it really does reflect the writings of King David. But the structure of the psalm not only explains the education for praise, but it also explains how the sermon is broken in two and preceded by two seasons of singing. So here's how the structure of the psalm kind of goes. It says there's a singing portion of it, there's a sermon portion of it, a singing, and then another sermon portion of the psalm. That's not by accident. This is the structure of the psalm we're going to be reading. And it's a drama of educating the believer. Y'all have to get that the, the true essence of what it means to praise God. This is what this psalm is all about is educating the Christian on what it truly means, what the essence of praising God is. So you have to understand this because to worship God in every season, church, we must guard our hearts with gratitude so we can always have a reason to worship God. So here's how the author breaks it down. This is kind of what we're going to look at. There's two ways he does it. Is One is what praise looks like. So we're going to look at what does praise really look like according to the psalm. And second, what we must know to praise God. Because there's some things that we need to know to worship the king, especially in giving praise and having a heart of gratitude. Uh, a lot of what is mentioned today, it can be found in, uh, there's a website called DesiringGod.org. Pastor John Piper, he's a gift to our generation. And if you don't follow Pastor John Piper, I suggest that you go home, you look him up. He is amazing. He's a great theologian of our time, and, and we, get to, we get to get little nuggets from him on these studies. So I'm so excited to share some of his ideas, but also some things that I have seen in my study this past week. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 100. Or you can click to your YouVersion Bible app. If you don't have that, you can download that in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's the YouVersion is what we use here at this church. All your notes, all of that is right in there. And also some challenging thoughts to take home, maybe even for your Bible study. So right now, if we could just stand up together. We're going to read the psalm together. And then after that, we're going to pray as we're standing. But let's say it out together as a body of believers, as a church family. Here we go. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. That's the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes to pray. Father, we thank you so much, God, 
God, I just can only really sing out and pray this psalm. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. Father God, can you teach us what that means this morning? God, can you teach us what it looks like to praise you and what we must know to worship you in spirit and in truth? Only your Holy Spirit can reveal that to us this morning. So God, I echo the words of John 3.30. Help me to decrease, oh God. So you could increase in this place. Transform us with your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. So this education for praise means we must know God truly. And we must respond with our affections correctly. Let me say that again. This idea of education for praise out of this verse means that we must know God truly. And we must respond with our affections correctly. So what this means is that we must see him clearly to worship him. And we must savior him dearly. We must think biblical thoughts about God. And we must feel biblical emotions for God. And the knowing must be the basis of the affections we have for God. And the seeing must be the basis of the savior and for God. And the thinking must be the basis of the feeling for God. That should be in your notes if, if you got confused just now. But this is why Pastor John Piper says this is an education for exaltation. This is something that he came up with out of this verse. And I believe that to be so true. As we dissect this message, you'll see that knowing is for affections. And seeing is for savoring. And thinking and knowing is for feeling God. Psalms 100 is the structure of the reality of those who are in Christ. This is why we were created and redeemed. Here it is, right here. Here is why we were created and redeemed. You have to get this. To know God and to enjoy God. We were created and redeemed to know God and enjoy God with the knowing as the foundation of the enjoying God. We must know God to enjoy God for who he is. But here's what I came to find out in the study. If education does not lead to exaltation in God, then it fails. If seeing glory doesn't lead to savoring God, then it fails. If knowing the truth doesn't lead to feeling love for God, then it fails. Education and knowledge and sight and thought, they're all for praising in God. And if they don't produce it, then they were not what they were created to be. And I've come into this way too often where I know many people who know a lot about God, but it doesn't result in a love for God. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they dealt with the same issue. They knew a lot about God, but they did not love God. They did not know God, ultimately. So if we do all of these things, don't save your God, don't love God, then they were not met, they, they're not doing what they were created to do, and they're not being what they were created to be. But the reverse is true too. Worship that does not flow from education, and affections that do not flow from knowing, and savoring that does not flow from seeing, and feeling that does not flow from thinking, are hollow and rootless. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says they're noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. Education for praise needs to define Avalon Church. We need to understand and know God fully so we can worship him in spirit and in truth. And the old 100 Psalm provides not only the structure 
for praise, but the pillars for praise. So what we're going to do before we even look at our two points is we're going to dissect the structure of this message and then go into those two points. So this structure is set up this way. We've already mentioned it, but there are four stanzas. And stanzas are kind of like paragraphs. Stanzas defined as a group of lines forming the basic reoccurring metrical unit in a poem. So if you write poetry, you probably know what a stanza is. And usually in a stanza, there's a repeating line, but definitely a reoccurring theme. And you can kind of see this here in the psalm. So here's how it's broken down. First, the very first verse is a praise stanza. The second one is an education, educating us on God stanza. The other one is a praising God stanza. Then finally, he educates us on who God is. So let's take a look at stanza one. Let's read this together again. Make a joyful noise to all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. That's praise, right? That's praise. Shout joyfully, sing joyfully, serve the Lord with gladness and come with joyful singing. That's a stanza of praise. Now let's look at stanza two and let's say it together. Now that know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That's education, right? He's educating us that we need to know something. So if you were to link the very first stanza with the second stanza, it would go like this. Come into his presence with singing, but know who that God is. Sing to the Lord, but know him. Serve the Lord with gladness, but know him. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, but know him. That's what these two stanzas are saying to one another. They're working and intertwined together. In other words, if you're going to make a joyful noise to the Lord, you need to know something to base it on. If you're going to serve the Lord with gladness, you know you need to know something to base it on. If you're going to come into God's presence with joyful singing, you, know, you need to know something to base it on. In other words, the very first two stanzas are exaltation based on education of God. And singing is based on knowing God. And I have the worship team sitting here this morning, and I'm, and I'm talking to you as a worship team. That is our goal is to know God truly and fully so we can lead you all in worship, in spirit, and in truth of God. So stanza three goes like this. Let's say it together. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Here it is. Exaltation again. Enter with thanksgiving. Enter with praise. Give thanks. Bless his name. You see, stanza one took the exaltation, took the form of joy and gladness and singing. But here, the exaltation or the praise takes the form of thanking God and praising God and blessing God. And then we go to the last stanza, stanza four, and it says this. Let's say it together. For the Lord is his steadfast, endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. So let's break this down. This is an education stanza. He's trying to have, have us have an understanding of who God is. So we learn three things about who God is. One, that he is good. Did you know that this morning? He's good. Two, his steadfast love endures forever. And three, his faithfulness endures to all generations. And notice the little word at the beginning of verse 5 that, you know, when we read Scripture, we kind of skip over things, even transitional words. But a whole philosophy of education of praise hangs on this one word, for. He says, for the Lord is good. For means that the goodness of God is the reason and the basis and the foundation of the praise in verse 4. 
He is good, so we give thanks to him. He is good, and so we bless his name. For because the Lord is good and endures to all generations steadfast love and his faithfulness, our response is thanking him, blessing him, and giving praise to him. So we must know God to worship God. Stanza one is the stanza of praise. Stanza two is the stanza of education. Stanza three, we praise God again. And stanza four says, you have to know him and that he's good. Feel and expressing joy and gratitude about God. I want you this morning to think about this. That to feel and to express joy and gratitude to God must be based on something you know about God. Knowing is for feeling. And seeing is for savoring God. That's why reading the scriptures is so important. And we have the living, breathing word of God. When we know God fully, we worship him. We savor him. And as last week we learned, we thirst for him. But we're going to come back to this knowing idea because it's so important. But here's just a few things that you have to know based off of these verses. And if you're new to church this morning or if you've never heard any of this stuff, it's the first time you've ever heard Psalm 100. Or maybe you've heard it a hundred times. Here's who God is. Are you ready for this? The Lord is God. That's what this, that's what this scripture tells us. That the Lord is God. Here's, what else, here's another thing it tells us. That he made you. Did you know he made you? That it wasn't evolution. He made you. We have a creator. It also says, for those who are, in, who are in Christ, you are his. It reminds us, he is our shepherd. He reminds us that he is always good in every season. It reminds us his love lasts forever. And then lastly, that his promise-keeping faithfulness is to all generations. And now by knowing this, don't you just want to sing? And praise God. Because the, no, the more we know the truth of God, the more we want to worship God. It's simple. So what does this praise look like based off of these verses? What is the psalmist trying to show us of what praise really looks like on a day-to-day? So what, mu- what must we know of God to be a glad and joyful and singing and thanking and praising and blessing and overflowing loving people? What must we know? And you're probably thinking, well, I've seen thankfulness and joy and singing and glad, but Arthur, I didn't see overflowing loving people. You made that up. That's true. I did. But let's look at verse 3. The last clause says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The we there is the people of God. And God is the good shepherd of his flock. These are the covenant people praising their faithful covenant God their savior, their deliverer, their keeper, their helper. These are the people who have trusted God and surrendered to him as his servants and submissive sheep. So what then is the attitude of these people to the rest of the world? Are you ready? You want to know what praise looks like? Let's look at verse 1. To whom are these people speaking when they cry out to rejoice when it says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Here's what this means to us as Christians. Now I'm talking to you, Christian, and maybe you came with a Christian and you're like, you got to do what the pastor said this week, okay? But here's what it looks like to be a covenant-keeping Christian who praises God for who he is and knowing him. This is what it looks like to praise God. 
You look out into the world and you make a joyful noise of who he is. You look out into the world and you say, he is God and all the earth join with me in singing praises to my God, to my shepherd, to my king. If you're to look at your life this past week or maybe this past month, are you making a joyful noise to the Lord so that all the earth can see it and praise God with you? Because that's what it means to be an overflowing, loving people. We know here that the Lord is a covenant-keeping Lord. And we see that by, by, by how he describes who he is. He's the absolute God. And that he's the all-powerful creator of all things. And that he is like a shepherd who provides pasture for the weak and straying sheep. And we know that he is good and that his loving kindness is forever. And that he will keep his saving promises to all generations. We have a lot to sing out to the earth about, don't we? The earth so desperately needs to hear the truth of who God is. Here's what praise looks like. We make a joyful noise to all the earth about who God is. So when you know these things and you feel the infinite worth of these truths, you will not be able to be a selfish person any longer, but you'll be an overflowing, loving person. This is what I meant. That you can't help but to praise God and in everything you do, you have a heart of gratitude and in awe and adoration of who God is. Because you feel the infinite worth of these truths about God. So your response is to be an overflowing, loving people who make a joyful noise to all of the earth that our God is our God. He is our shepherd. We're the sheep of his pasture. We are his what an incredible truth that is to the world who so desperately needs a savior and a shepherd. We need to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Are you prepared to do that this week? You don't have to answer that out loud. That can come in many different forms. But I'm going to challenge you this week, church family, make a joyful noise to the Lord. If you are his, if you're the sheep of his pasture, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Because that's what praise looks like on a day-in, day-out basis in the life of a Christian. But now we come to the second point that is very important. It says, what must we know to praise God? We must know things about God to praise God. So again, not just for the sake of the world, but what must we know to be a glad and joyful and singing and thanking and praising and blessing and an overflowing, loving people? Here's what we must know. It's given in verse 3 and verse 5. It says that we must know that the Lord is our God. And second, that we must know that he made us. And three, that we are his people like sheep in the pastures of a shepherd. You need to know these three things to worship God in truth. So let's look at the first one. The Lord is God. Lord usually is in all caps in your English Bibles. And it's a translation of the Hebrew name Yahweh or Jehovah. And refers to the specific covenant-keeping God who brought the people of Israel out of Egypt and was faithful to them through the centuries. And he was also faithful to them in the promised Messiah. In other words, verse 3 says, Yahweh is the one true God. There is no true gods besides Yahweh. He's the absolute over all powers and authorities in this universe. It's not Joseph Smith. It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It's Yahweh. 
And we're so easily tricked because we don't know God. We don't know who he is. We don't know his authority. So we must know that he's Yahweh, that he is Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God, to worship God and make a joyful noise. And secondly, that he made us. I'm going I'm to let you in on some truth this morning. You ready? You might not know this. We didn't make ourselves. <laughs> Y'all are like, really? I'm just we are dependent on God for our very existence. Did you know that this morning? The implication that the psalmist draws out is not that we are vulnerable children of God, but that we are a cared for child. That we have a shepherd who cares for us because we are his. We're the sheep of his pasture. He made us. We're not vulnerable. We're cared for. Did you know that, Christian? And third, it says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. In other words, since he made us, we belong to him. We are not our own. And the way he relates to us is as a shepherd relates to his sheep. He provides green pasture and still water, as Psalms 23 says. And, and he provides protection from the wolves and guidance through dangerous valleys. That's our God. And now on this side of the cross, we know even more surely that we are not our own, right? Not only did God make us, but 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20 says he bought us. It says that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. And the response to that truth is, therefore, glorify God in your body. And the amazing and wonderful thing about that truth is that is great news, isn't it? To be owned is good news. Do you believe that? Because when you hear, I don't want to be owned, this is a society where I'm not owned by nothing. I'm not labeled by, any, by nothing. But I'm here to tell you that to be owned by the Lord Jesus Christ is great news. I'll tell you why. Because our owner has sworn by the blood of his son to free us from sin and Satan and sickness and sadness forever. Come on, why are we not praising God? To be owned is good news because he says that the owner has sworn by the blood of his son Jesus this morning to free you from that sin that you're caught up and entangled in right now. And he's free to, 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 to free us from Satan and his lies. And he's free to remove sickness and depression and addiction this morning. Not only for today, for eternity. Come on, yes. Therefore, the psalmist says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve God with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Because it's a happy thing to be made and to be bought and to be owned and to be shepherded by the God of the universe. So many people don't understand that truth. But now that we know that truth, let's go ahead and say this uh, stanza out with me. Make a joyful noise. Let's say it together. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Amen. Amen. Now, yeah, now that you know God, now that you know God, 
Now that you know this covenant-keeping God, we can better worship God. And so many people don't know God. And you can be that light this week. Say, here's who God is. Let me take you to Psalms 100. This is who God is. But what else must we know in order to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise to give thanks to him and bless his name? There's four more things mentioned in verses 4 through 5. One, that a grateful heart is a requirement of praise. By the way, this psalm is entitled the psalm of giving thanks. So giving thanks is, is, is kind of the focal point of this psalm. It says, what, must, how, uh, what does it mean to give thanks to God? What kind of heart do we need? So this is important. We need a grateful heart to come into the presence of God with praise. And second, that the Lord is good. Third, his steadfast love endures forever. And four, his faithfulness endures to all generations. But here is the thing. Verse 4 brings us to a serious halt. And we sang, we sang it just a second ago. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come to his courts with praise. And we're singing it. We're like, amen. Because the band sounds so awesome. But we don't understand that this is some hard truth. That's why we must know God. We must understand the scriptures. Here's what the message. And usually I don't read out of the message unless I'm like trying to teach my child. Um, <laughs> or sometimes I use it at 220 in our youth ministry. But I love Love this translation out of the message. It should be on the screen. It says, enter with a password. Thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking praise, thank him, worship him. But I got stuck right there. Enter with a password. Here's what this is saying, y'all, if, y'all, if we can't get this this morning. We cannot enter into the gates without first having a grateful heart. Let me say that again. We can't come into the presence of God this morning without having a grateful heart for God. Are you ready? Do you have a heart of gratitude? Do you have a heart of thankfulness to God? Because what the scripture is saying is we can't enter into the very presence of God without a heart that is filled and consumed and overtaken with thankfulness and gratitude for our maker. Not just for his gifts. Thank you, God, for blessing me with these gifts. But simply praising God for who he is and being grateful for him. Him, him, and him alone. We can't come and pass the gates because we don't have a grateful heart. We can't worship God this morning, some of you, because you don't have a grateful heart to God. You can't serve the Lord with gladness because you don't have a grateful heart. This is a psalm for giving thanks to God. So there are many of you who are in here, and here is kind of your countenance. Here's your body language. You have your hands crossed, and everybody else is worshiping. And you have your hands crossed and you have a frown on your face and you're, you're standing outside of the gates going, I really wish I can get in. And Jesus says, what's the password? Can we say it? What's the password? Thank you. Thank you. A grateful heart. A heart of gratitude to God. We can't serve the Lord until we have a grateful heart. For who he is. Till we have a grateful heart for his bride, the church. Till we have a grateful heart to have the very breath that we have in our lungs. We can't serve the Lord with gladness without a grateful heart. 
We can't come into the presence of God and sing some of the lyrics of these songs without a grateful heart to God. But I'm here to tell you that you can enter in today into his gates. But not without thanksgiving to God. So I'm going to ask you this. And be real with yourself. Just you and the Lord. What or who is hindering you from experiencing thankfulness and gratitude to God? Who is it? What is it? Is it a process? Is it something? What, what is it this morning that's hindering you from having a grateful heart to our Lord Jesus Christ? And maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe you need to forgive someone to, to enter through the gates. Who's that person you need to forgive? And at the end of this message, we're, we're going to sing a song, Bless the Lord, O my soul. But maybe right there in your seat, or maybe in the prayer room, or maybe here at these altars, maybe you just need to forgive someone. Then I want you to get up and lift up your hands. Or however that you worship the king. The gates are open, but you can't get through until you have a heart of gratitude for God. So Jesus this morning, this morning is saying, come on in. But come in with a grateful heart and a deep sense of gratitude for God, or you'll be waiting outside of those gates. What's the password? Thank you. Verse 5 then underlines why all the authority and the power is good news. Verse 5 says, okay, now we know that we need a thankful and grateful heart to come into the presence of God. But then verse 5 says, why all of this authority and power of God is good news. All this authority, all this power of God is good news because he is good. Because he is loving, that he is faithful, and that all of this lasts for eternity. Did you know that? That his goodness... That his steadfast love and his faithfulness is not just for here on earth, but that lasts for eternity. And I'm here to tell you this. If the psalmist rejoiced and thanked and praised and blessed the Lord for his goodness and his love and his faithfulness in those days, how much more should we today, as believers, after knowing the love of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, give praise to God? Come on. How much more? How much more? Romans says, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, thank you, Jesus, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 6 through 8, that's the love of God. That verse tells us that God is good. Maybe you believe that God is not a good God this morning, but he's good. God is a loving God. He's the source of love. He is love. God is faithful to all generations. He's going to be this forever. You know why he's going to be this forever? Because Christ paid the price for your eternal salvation this morning. Some of you guys are locked in and you guys are chained down to your sin or your addictions. But I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus paid the price to break those chains. So that you can have life and life for eternity. Yes. You didn't know that this psalm was a gospel psalm, did you? But all of the scripture points to the gospel. None of it contradicts itself, and all of it is God's word, his very breath. Did you know that? That is important to know. 
this is ultimately an education we need for our church to be preached on frequently as a reminder so we can have grateful hearts and thankfulness to God himself for who he is, not just for what he gives, but to worship him in spirit and in truth. This is an education that we desperately need for our children. Y'all need to teach these truths to your children. Would you do that? He's going to be faithful to all generations. I can't wait till my kids are teaching their kids and their kids are teaching their kids. My response is going to be, praise God. Because he's faithful. And he's already said he was going to be faithful. And I'm here to tell you all the earth needs this education for praise too. So you have a responsibility. This is the Christian. Maybe you came with a Christian, and maybe you haven't seen that person with a grateful heart. But today you can change that. You can come into his gates with thanksgiving with a password, thank you, God, for who you are. And then you can make a joyful noise to the Lord so everyone at work can know that whoever you believe in is the real deal. And so they can ask you, man, why do you always make a joyful noise to the Lord? Did you know that the Lord is God? Did you know that he made us? That we are his? That we are his people? That we are the sheep of his pasture? Did you know that? But that's all the truth of verse 4. Or verse 3, excuse me. That's the response. When we make a joyful noise, somebody's going to ask you why you're making that noise. And then you're going to educate them. You're going to say, this is why. This is who my God is is. So you want to join with me in praising God? That's what you're going to tell them. You're going to say, you want to join with me in praising God? They might be like, that's a little weird. But you know what? Most times than not, they'll lift up their hands with you. They'll sing the songs with you. I remember my friend before I became a Christian, he would play music. He would sing unto the Lord. He served at a local church. And I promise you, his life just radiated this praise for God, for who he was. And he would bring me around, and even though I didn't know God, you know what the funny part about it is? I would still sing the lyrics to those songs. I would, like, raise my hand because everybody else was raising their hand. I'm like, I didn't know what to do with my hands. But I still was like, why am I doing this? Because it was radi- he was radiating this worship for God. He was making a joyful noise. And then after that, he would educate me on who God is. And God drew me to himself, and I'm here today as a testament that when you make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth will see it and hear it. And they'll be forced to respond to either worship God or deny the truth of who he is. But that's up to God. So we're going to close with the last two verses of the psalm. Then we're going to sing all of Bless the Lord, All My Soul. The whole song, not just half the song. And now knowing what we know about who God is and what it looks like to come into his courts, I want us to sing A hundred times louder than what we did a second ago. And I want you to worship in the spirit and truth. And if you need to forgive someone, come up here in your seat, in the prayer room, whatever it needs to whatever needs to happen to come into the presence of God with a grateful heart. Let's do that. I'll be right here at the bottom praising God. You can come to me, I'll pray over you. But let's stand to our feet and let's say this last verse together. And the worship team is gonna come on up here. Let's say this loud. Loud, knowing what we know about God's word, knowing what we know about God himself, knowing what it means for the psalm, that when it says that it's a psalm for giving thanks, now that we know this, let's say it together, and then let's worship the king. You guys ready? Enter into his gates. Come on, louder. Give thanks to him. Bless his name.
For the Lord is good, and his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, God. We thank you that you are good. I'm just going to echo your words. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless him. For the Lord is good. And his steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness is to all generations who keep his word and obey his truth and live out in worship. Father, this is the true essence of worship. Thank you for your word. Thank you that everything is God-breathed. It's living and active. God is sharper than a two-edged sword piercing our hearts. God, whatever it is that's holding us from entering into your courts with praise, whoever it is that we need to forgive or whatever the situation in our life is that we need to say, God, I'm sorry that I don't have a grateful heart. God, let it be done today. Let it not go another day. Let us not wait till Monday. Let us not wait till today in the afternoon, but let us deal with it right now. And if there's someone in here who doesn't know you, Lord Jesus, in this church family that wants a relationship with the God who died for him, it was, and rose again so that they could have life. God, I pray that they would come up here to the front and say, I want to know this Jesus personally. And I want to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Father, do a work in this congregation. We so desperately need hearts of gratitude. And we so desperately need to know who you are. So in every season, we'll always have a reason to worship you, God. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, Let's sing this out together, church. Come on.